Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian Maui and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Brian, we talk a lot on this podcast about guest experience, but something that doesn't get discussed as often as it should, especially in vacation rentals, is guest amenities. That's right, Matt. Offering basic guest amenities like soap and laundry pods in every property is key to providing a great guest experience. The problem is, it's a huge pain for property managers to pull that off. From purchasing and storing everything to getting all those boxes kitted up for each home. No wonder we hear so often for property managers that turn days suck. That's why we're excited to be partnering with Sojo, who is on an absolute mission to make turn days suck less by automating your guest amenities. Sojo guest amenity boxes are uniquely created for each of your homes filled with luxury amenities, beautifully packaged up room by room, plus extras like paper goods and trash bags. They'll connect to your reservation calendar and ship those boxes to you right in time for every turn day. No more storing or kidding. Sojo takes care of you step by step. And Sojo is offering 30 days of free guest amenities to GuestX listeners. Claim your free amenities and learn more at GetSojo.com forward slash GuestX. That's GetSojo, S-O-J-O.com forward slash guest and the letter X. Go and claim your free guest amenities today. Breezeway is all about uncovering initiatives that are forever changing the guest experience. Breezeway's best-in-class property operations and messaging platform helps do just that by helping operators differentiate their brand and deliver more service to their clients. Breezeway's smart messaging tools makes it easy to send welcome messages, resolve in-house issues, share status updates, and offer stay extensions and other services. Powering operations with messaging also enables automated text to notify guests when a property is ready for check-in, along with assigning work orders to your staff to second guests message in with a request. Combine the power of your operations with client communications and visit breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. That's breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. I tell you what, I... I didn't know what to do with myself when I wasn't taping five podcasts a week with you. It was really strange, right? I mean, I think I came into it this morning saying, I'm not entirely sure how, how I'm supposed to be setting myself up and how to do these introductions anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what, what, yeah. What's the, what's the subject that we're talking about? I tell you what, got, what's that? Today we've got a really good guest, so... We do. We, yeah, and I'm excited about this because I will tell you, as you know, I just got back from a trip to was in London for three weeks and actually thought a lot about our guest. You know, we'll, we'll get into it. This is, this is a drum he's been beating for a while. So, so I'm really excited. So let's, let's jump in today. And cause I have a feeling this is going to have a lot of content here. We're going to have a lot of questions. So why, why don't you, why don't you lead us in? Yeah, sure. So on today's podcast, we are talking to Chris Mon. Chris, he's been in the industry for over 20 years. He has a 
really big background in holiday and commercial rentals. Chris is the founder and CEO of IPRAC, the leading membership approval certification for the rental property market. Chris is also the CEO and co-founder of AES Accommodations LTD and AES Events Group, a corporate and events provider. Chris, welcome to the show. Pleasure. Great to be here, guys. Finally. Yeah, so we had the pleasure to speaking to you a little bit before the show, and I think there's there's a lot of topics here that we're going to go through, especially when we start to talk about certification, professionalism, but I love our listeners to, especially here in the U.S., if they don't know you, they should know you. Give us a little bit of your background, what you've done in the past, and then how you've transitioned into vacation rentals, and then from there, how you've transitioned into developing IPRAC. Sure. Okay. So I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. I started off in the hotel industry, which was Swallow Hotels when I was 16, which is now, <clears throat> which is now Marriott. <clears throat> then I moved over to health clubs, private health clubs, when I was about 19 to about 23. So I was a regional director for the health club. So I've always been in hospitality. And then I moved down to the south of France in Cannes, where I started a small, very small at the time, short-term rental business, which was something that I'd never done before. But we started with a small studio, which is our first ever property. And over the last 20 years, we've built that business to manage just short of 250 properties. And we now serve you know, some of the global brands like Twitter, Google, Spotify, Disney, and we're their nominated supplier for accommodation in Cannes. So we, we're a leader in corporate accommodation, and that's where we've built the, the company to be. We, trans, we transmitted it also into like event management as well. So we did a lot of event management with big villas and big event venues, transforming them into big event spaces for big clients like MTV and Disney. And then it was more the fact of, I, you know, I was quite in, into the industry, of course, but it was in 2014 when I witnessed firsthand was a family of five, husband, wife, three kids. They, they booked a villa in the south of France and paid £15,000 to arrive and realise that it didn't even exist. Oh my and God. they were, yeah, and they were stranded on the side of the road with their, you know, six or seven suitcases, three kids not knowing where, where the hell they're going to sleep, husband and wife arguing. But anyway, they found us actually by a Google search looking for like alternative accommodation. And we helped them out. And the next couple of days, we had them in my office and I just got to the bottom of what had happened. And they showed me the website they booked on. So I started investigating this and realized that our industry, the short-term rental industry, was in dire straits because not everybody had the intention to be professional and deliver the service that they were charging for. So it wasn't a a one-off incident. It was happening all over the world. Mm -hmm. So when I looked to think, what can this industry, we must have some kind of standards or a certification that can be introduced to basically make this a safer place for consumers. And there wasn't anything, you know, so rather than like talk about the problem, I thought, well, now's the time I think, you know, I'm going to step up and try and solve this. So that was what we did in 2014. We went through two years of R&D, eight months lost and 100,000 lost in a, in a website that we, we, we built wrong. 
<laughs> but we went back to the drawing board and we rebuilt it to what it is today. But two years and we launched in 2016 and now we're in 28 countries and, you know, just short of 45,000 members. And wow. it's basically, yeah. And it's basically a, a certification of, of trust because I believe that the consumers need trust in that they're booking with a professional operator. And the only way to do that is to be third party approved. So we built this platform that we go out there and we have a robust system where we approve our members and then they can showcase their IPRAC logo and showcase credibility, trust, professionalism through an through a authentic logo. And that's what we did. And so I became the CEO of that company in 2016 and we still run AES. So that's where I am today. And I like, like Matt said previously in the intro that I have been banging the drum because I just feel that our industry has so many fantastic operators who are really out there to committed to get, delivering this fantastic service. But because of the lack of barrier to entry, you know, the lack of barrier to entry into this industry, we've just got so many rogue and unprofessional operators that are giving the industry a bad name and the consumers a bad, you know, consumers a bad experience. So IPRAC's kind of that bridge of confidence and trust to kind of separate all of the professional and trusted, credible operators and leave the other ones behind. And I believe in the next five years, if you're not operating at a level of professionalism and trust and credibility and showcasing that, then you're not going to be in the industry. It's a, uh, you, you think that's going to be done through certification pro programs? A little bit, but I mean, you know, I mean, in my eyes, I mean, you know, I'll go back to when we were designing IPRAC and, you know, there's a lot of trust logos out there, you know, but you can't just have a trust logo because, I mean, I'll go back to when we were designing IPRAC. IPRAC was designed in a very special way because when we looked at, do you know ABTA in the mm -hmm. UK, the, the international, you know, the, the protection of travel? Well, what we found is in our research was fake websites, 93% of fake websites we're using the ABTA logo, right? Now, from a consumer point of view, you look at a website, you see a trust logo, you don't, in, you don't go any further down the line because you just don't know how to. You right. don't know what you should be looking for. You don't know, oh, they, they just see a trust logo, oh, they're, ABT, they're ABTA approved, they must, be, they must be trustworthy, let's book with them. So all of these fake websites and fraudulent operators were using, you know, ABTA logos and other trust logos. So we had to bring up, we had to design a technology behind how IPRAC worked. And that's why every IPRAC logo is unique because the member's ID number is embedded in the logo. So there's no IPRAC logo the same. So any consumer can go onto the IPRAC website, search that, search that with that ID number, and then bring up that member's profile. And that was the authenticity. You know, it was like authentic behind what we were trying to do. So there was accountability behind the member. It's not just the logo. So you can't just pick up an IPRAC logo, put it on your website because the consumer can check who you are. That's really interesting. You know, and that's what we had to do. We, we, we couldn't just build a logo because otherwise we would have been doing everything. We would have just been another trust logo fraudsters could, could copy. And we, we needed to avoid that. So we had to invest heavily in technology that could build this technology that would basically, you know, create a new, a new logo ID number for every 
for every new member that was approved. So that's kind of like where we are, but there's nobody else doing that. So the answer to your question in terms of certifications and accreditations, they're only good if, they, if there's a way of being accountable. Otherwise, right. they, otherwise, they don't hold any value. Yep. And this is why a lot of the time we have to be very careful about, same with health and safety. You know, I mean, during COVID, we, had a, we saw all of these people bringing up like good to go logos, you know, with a COVID tick and all of these different things. And they're not trust logos because there's no accountability. Anybody can just paste and copy that logo and put it onto a website. And, and what was happening was they weren't used as trust logos. They were used as conversion logos. You know, to give to give consumers the opportunity to say, "Oh, they must be okay," they, you know, and that's what we were really, you know, against in that in that COVID world of like, let's just not start bringing out all these trust logos that hold no accountability. So IPAC holds the accountability, right. and they still don't. I mean, and and you know, it's it's a really good point. When we we started a property, we'd love to start businesses when when things are tough. My first property management company we started back in 2008 with uh, you know all of the, the, the financial mm. issues here in the U.S. Fin- and yeah, yeah. Are all over again. Our short-term rental property management company about six months ago, and, and part of the reason behind that was we were watching the industry and local operators and finding that a lot of people were doing exactly what you were saying. They were putting up instead of trust logos, it was more conversion logos. Um, they were trying to figure out ways to get heads in beds. And if you said things like, you know, we clean our house with antibacterial, whatever the language was at that time, people trusted that language. And, and unfortunately, the OTAs were taking it, displaying it without any certification behind and any, any sort of, there was no background behind it. So what we actually did was we decided to start from scratch and we took all the courses. So I worked with Dirk Johnson and I said, you know, we're going to start this management company. I want to get certified. I'll go through the process of how do we clean a house? How do we do the linens? How do we? And I think that that's the exact process that most managers should be taking, but there's no governing body that's telling us in order to be able to do this and in order to become a professional, these are the steps that you need to take. And it sounds like you've taken a really good step, which is identifying that there's a piece of technology that we can use in order for guests to be able to verify that, yes, these property managers are actually professionals and they've gone through certain processes and procedures. The question mm-hmm. is, how do we get people to adopt this? Well, this is, the, this, is the, uh, this is the hardest part because a lot of people, I mean, we talk to a lot of property managers who are all over it and they're like, yes, we want it because we want to showcase credibility and professionalism wherever we can. A lot of other operators are like we don't need it our business is working as it is so i believe the answer to your question is yes you need to have a governing body who can introduce all of the correct certifications to the industry that people need to hold to be able to operate but once again it it, at the minute it's kind of like a self-policing you know it's if you want to call it self-policing and it's kind of like we do this, and it's why you have to be able to have a logo of trust that has accountability and not just a logo. And I mean, also with the IPRAC logo, it's like, what happens? What happens if something goes wrong under a certified property? 
There's the other question. Because it's right. not just about being certified. It's like, what, what's the process of what happens if something happens? So when you think about with an IPRAC, with an I, with I, the way an IPRAC platform works, is a consumer can, an, an IPRAC member will, will direct the consumer to their IPRAC ID. And they will check that person out and go, okay, look, these are the third party certified by an industry body of trust. Okay. But when they're on that, pla- when they're on that, cert- when they're on that profile of that member, they can register their booking. Okay, so they've already paid the member and everything, but they can after that they can go and register their booking. They put the dates, the amount they've paid, they submit it, and IPRAC get a copy of that. The consumer gets a copy of that, and also the member. And we guarantee one hundred percent of the payments made to that member. Wow. Yeah. So what we what we're providing is not only just the logo. We're providing a guarantee of payments to our members. So consumers can look at it and go, well, we've got a third-party company who's guaranteeing the payments that we're going to make to that company directly, and they're, and they're, and they're the certification of trust. So all of a sudden, we're a con- we are a conversion tool because you're, you're, not just saying, you're not just putting a logo there. There's accountability behind the logo. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like I, I look at today with health and safety, and health and safety certifications are just too cheap. For our industry, but just there's no way you can run a health and safety certification on that on that charging that amount of money, and you can't say like four hundred pounds or or four hundred euros is enough money to charge a client, an operator, to consume that he's operating to health and safety standards because it's very easy to get certified on like the first of April, but what what does your what does your rental look like on the 7th of July after 17 rentals, are you still adhering to these standards? So you've got to, you've got to pay something like $6,000 or euros or pounds to be health and safety certified. But inside that 6000 there's mystery shopping checks throughout of the year where your, your business is going to be checked without you even knowing about it. Now, are you ready for that? You know, and this is, what you have, this is why we have to bring in standards. You know what I mean? So it's not about just getting a health and safety logo and saying, hey, I'm great. We've we offered the health and safety. What happened nine months down the line? What happened six months down the line after all these rentals? Are you still operating? Who's checking that you're still operating? But what happens is 12 months later, they come back, they clean everything up, they get it done, and they get passed again. But what happens? And also these health and safety companies, they're not given any kind of guarantee to a consumer that if they do slip, in a property and crack their head open and end up in hospital. Yeah, but this property was certified by you guys. You, they've got your logo. Yeah, but we're only advisors. Well, how does that help the consumer? Yeah. So we have, to be, we have to stop and think about what these trust logos mean. And if we're going to bring them into the industry, they've got to be brought in the right way, at the right price, with the right systems in place, so that we can build the, biz- build the industry to what it should be, not just like, you know, cutting corners. And that's what we're doing right now. People are just cutting corners, and that's why we're not growing. People say we're growing, but we're growing in the wrong way. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. I guess it's the effects that I look at from that. You said a couple of minutes ago, if you're not doing the certification processes within the next five years, you're going to be out of business. The next question behind that is, if that's true, 
how many homes that are currently being served in the market are going to exist as part of the market? Because I can tell you that an enormous amount of inventory would disappear if we actually had to put some of these processes in place. So there's, there's a huge effect there, but the people that want to be in the business will do the certification courses, will get their houses up to standard, and honestly won't be afraid of having secret shoppers come in to, to shop these units. Matt, I mean, you're, you're, you're familiar with this kind of stuff, right? Secret shoppers are something that existed in the, in the restaurant business. I don't know how many people know that you were in that side of the, in, on that side of the world, but secret shopping is something that's pretty normal in the restaurant side of the world. And, and for good right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't find a, a brand, at least a U.S. brand, that is not paying internally their own secret shopping, right? Because they've got franchisees, they've got licensees, they've got corporate restaurants that they can't afford to get to, you know, that they can't always have corporate people in. And they've got to have a way of going back and checking to make sure everything's being done. But, but you know, it, two, I think... But to your point, Brian, I do think there will there would be a retraction, but but I cannot think of a single industry where in the long run, right, creating, and I think we say barriers to entry, it makes it sound like a bad thing, right? But but creating a governing body, a certification process has not in the long run been the right thing for that industry. You know, I'm also a former, you know, I like to say recovering attorney, but no one's arguing in the U.S. that you shouldn't have to pass a bar exam to represent people. Like, that, that that's not a thing, right? And I don't think that people over the long haul would be arguing, oh, I, I can't believe we still require these vacation rentals to be certified. Right. Or to, you know, to have certain protections because it's about the consumer. It's a, but it's about our industry and the right people. And what I love about what you're doing, Chris, is when you look at your business, and I didn't know a lot about the 250 or so accommodations you guys rent. But Chris, I think it's important too. There's nothing in this really for Chris, right? The the corporations that he's got, they know that the, you know, that that this villa and that villa, that it's all going to come, you know, a certain way because he's built a reputation. They're not out shopping on Airbnb, right? So it's not like if he can get this certification done. This is somebody who's trying to build an industry who comes from hotels who says, guys, let's let's get behind doing it the right way. And, and I think we've got to come together to get this done. So I'm excited about it. You know, one of the things, Chris, I think, is interesting. I'd love to get your take. You've talked a little about the consumer, but I do see this as a as a double-edged sword, right? In that, and it makes it hard because we've got to one get buy-in on the rental side, but mm-hmm. two, there is a cost to educating then the consumer of why do I care? What does it matter? Right? Like, what's that mean for me? Yeah. And that's expensive because it's expensive anytime you have to educate people in, you know, often 20 second sound bites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest challenges we have at IPAC, which is the education side. And it's something we're working on for, you know, I mean, the first five years we were building the brand around the operator's side, 
trying to get the operators around why it's important for you to stand out as credible and trustworthy and professional because it'll increase your conversion rate and your retention rate, okay? And that's probably why we've been able to convert so many professional operators into becoming members, but we rely on our operators to be the voice of IPRAC as well. Because at the same time, what we're saying is don't become IPRAC approved and certified and then hide your logo on page six at the bottom right of your website. Don't even talk about it. You know, your job is to also, as a, because you've invested in becoming IPRAC approved, talk about it, educate your consumers. Why? Because what will happen is the consumers will then look at it and go, I wasn't aware of that. That's great. Next time I go to London or maybe Paris, I'll look for an IPAC member. You know, so all of a sudden, that will all kind of rally around and all of a sudden we're going to build consumers. What we need, and this is what the problem with, I mean, we might get onto that a bit later, but I feel like our industry is, a lot of the people in it are solving problems that the consumers don't have. Okay? <laughs> so, so... Interesting. It, it, yeah. So all of a sudden, it's like, let's ask the consumer what they want. You know, does, does it, you know I, I understand, as you know, this keyless check-in and all these new technologies and, and all of these kind of things. But if you break it down to a consumer, they don't want much. They want clean, they want safety, and they want it to exist. Yeah. You, know, you know, and... and at the core, want it at, the, at the core yeah. that's exactly what they're looking for. I mean, Matt, you just, you came back from the UK. Oh God! Tell us about that experience because it's exactly what he's saying. You know, we 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 mess with you know we go to conferences and things and we look at technologies that are coming into the marketplace. But seriously, how many guest experience? And we're a guest experience, right? Yep. Hey, Matt, how many guest experience platforms did we see that are coming out this year? Oh, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can throw a rock out the window and hit ten guest apps. I mean, you really can. Right? I yeah. mean, but I don't but know that there. I get. Does it actually solve the problem? It doesn't solve the That's problem. That's what I'm right? saying. Yeah, I think Chris is right. I mean, it certainly doesn't solve the problem if you don't get over the the like the bar to just operating should be, you know, the cleanliness, the safety, the things like that. Because if you don't if you don't take care of that, I'll tell you. So you asked the question. We stayed in two properties in London. One was absolutely beautiful. I would have paid double. The other one, I wouldn't have paid. 25% of what we paid. It was disgusting. It was, and I, you know, I've got a five and a two-year-old. We're in a, you know, a foreign country. And, you know, I, my wife's looking at me like, are we really going to stay here for seven days? And by the way, Airbnb, you know, certified clean with the whole COVID. I mean, yeah, Chris, I wrote it down with like double marks under, but you want to talk about a conversion logo. It means nothing. So. Yeah, it was, and I did. I, you know, Brian, I sent you a text. I said our industry is in trouble because had that been my first experience with vacation rental, I never would have gone back. It would have been like going out to eat for the first time at a brand and and like you know finding something in your food, right, in a restaurant. Yeah. You've been, you've been done. There's never nothing back. you nothing you could have done to to have brought me back. And and so you know, too, I think. I think the certification is the first thing we've got to do. And then I think within those who are certified, creating 
some sort of star rating that can mean something to consumers. Because again, Brian, you and I talk about this. Once you're certified, and I know, okay, it's going to be clean and it's going to be, then it's, is it going to, is it, is it matching my expectations? Right. Mm. And that's a big piece of it. But at first we've got to get this certification thing, thing, right. So. Absolutely. Baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps. That's exactly right. So Chris, let me ask you this. So is this something, I mean, obviously you know, what you're doing is private, right? Is this something though, that maybe eventually a very large governing body goes out and maybe tries to acquire something like your company, right? So that people feel like it's a self-governing, uh, because I think a little bit of this is it, nothing gets, I mean, you guys took the ball and ran with it because no one was, right? But you talk to some people and they go, well, who's making money on these certifications, right? And, and I think maybe I'm trying to figure out what the hesitancy is to, to people joining and getting behind something like this. Bottom because the good, the good ones are going to win. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. think, I, I, think, I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of operators out here in, in our industry. They're not even making any money. They're not, even running, they're not even running successful businesses, for one. So, you know, but they're still operating. I mean, they're not going to go online and LinkedIn and Facebook and all of these platforms and say, I'm struggling. You know, our, you know, I'm losing properties hand over fist. You know, I'm not making any money. You know, they're not going to say that. But reality is, 60% of our operators are in that position because they don't know how to manage a business. They've started an industry they don't know. They think it's a quick money scheme. And they're looking at their overheads and expenditure. And they're also looking at trying to, to bring down their bottom line in terms of anything like cleaning. I mean, I can't believe when I, we, cleaning is our biggest investment in my company in CAT, the biggest one. And it's Same one way. I will have, yeah, and it's the one I will have no doubt in. I will not let that slip for love of money. Cleaning, yeah. cleaning, cleaning. We don't even call them cleaners. We call them service executives because I put my cleaners at the top of our business, right? They're not cleaners, right? They're service executives. And that's what we call them. And we have weekly meetings with them. We bring, we, they know that, they, that our business wouldn't survive without them, okay? But other operators, they're operating at a level where they're trying to reduce the amount of money that they're cleaning. But what happens is the standard of the cleaning is, is, is pitiful. You know, it's just not industry standard. And then when you go and ask them to invest 600 pounds in a certification, it's like, woof, oh, no, no, we don't have that kind of money. Right. So, well, you know, in the restaurant, in restaurants, Chris, we used to call it circling the drain, right? The bad operators, as, as sales would struggle, what do they do? They cut labor and they cut marketing. Well, and then sales get worse. And then they cut labor and marketing. You can't cut yourself to profitability. You've got, to, you've got to raise the value of the product you're delivering so you can charge more, so you can build margins. And it seems counterintuitive to some of those people, like you're saying, but like they need to, you know, being educated on the finance side. There's a, there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of issues. Love it. A lot of issues. There's, there's a consumer issue there, pain, cost of claims. There is a owner, believe it or not, issue with, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it now. Homeowners that are looking at jumping over and they say, well, what's the cost of the claim? My claims are probably 10 to 15% higher than most other property managers. But I've got awesome cleaners. We've implemented amazing processes, 
we do linens exterior, you know, we're doing the right things and there's a cost to that, but that's also so translated to the reviews. So go and look at my reviews of my company and retention. my reviews are five star. Why? I've invested in it. You can go to other management companies. It'll be cheaper. Go look at their reviews and that's going to affect the business at the end of the day. So I, I think that there's a lot, again, it goes back to the learning but we've got multiple layers. We've got to educate the property manager, the homeowners, and the guests. If you yeah. want the right service, the guests have to pay for the service. Listen, we've got to drag all of the we've got to drag all of the professional operators who want to improve. Okay, that's the key word here: improve. Because where we start, like I'll admit, 21 years ago when I started the business, I knew nothing about safety, this and that. But I had a I had an intent to learn how to get better and better and better and better and better. And all the time I'm trying to learn and build the business, get better at this, get better at that. How can we make that better? And that's how we built the business. You've got people who don't want to do that and they're going to stay stagnant. But there's a certain amount of people who want to learn, who want to do better. They want to build companies. They want to build brands. They want, to, they want their industry to be better. They're the people we need to speak to. And automatically, when you drag all of them over to one side and say, this is where all the professionals sit, the other people either look up there in awe and want to be there or they just fall away. Yep. And, well, that, and, it, that's, and that's, what, that's, just what, that's just what you've got to create. You know? and, and for me, it's all about understanding. The, the consumer has to come first, okay? And you know, don't get me wrong, I love technology. I think it's helped the industry a lot. But at the same time, we do have to go back and think, does this technology have a, an impact on the guest experience? I did a post about three weeks ago that said, how many times do you contact your guest from booking to checkout? Okay. And some people w w said that they contact their guests like 18 times. It's like, that's like on the verge of stalking. Like, why do you need to, like, why do you need to contact your guest 18 times? Like, what is it? What are you trying to sell? Like in that, in, in that, you know, like for me, if you book a, a really high star hotel, you're going to get contacted probably around four, four, five times max, but very well, very detailed professional communication that builds trust. Okay. Not 18 times that builds desperado, you know, and this is what people are doing, but they're, they're, they're plugging into PMSs and these PMSs are like pinging out emails all the time. Do you want cleaning? Do you want cleaning? Do you want to upsell? Do you want this? Do you want that? And it's just like, God, I only want to go and stay in a property for two days with my wife. Yeah. I'm, getting like more, I'm getting more emails off this company than I do off my boss. You know, so we've got to get back to basics as well, you know, and, and make sure that we're thinking about the guest, putting the guest first, and, make, and basically saying, if I need to become certified to improve my guest experience, then I need to find money to do that. Because that, is, because that is part of me building a better company. And that's the message I put out there. If you don't want to be certified, I understand. Okay, that's, your, that's, that's okay. You know, that's your decision. But you have to understand why. Why are you not being certified? You need to really look into the certification and understand what the reasons, what, what benefits it can bring, what negatives can, it, it brings. Is the value in it? Is there not value in it? Then you can make a professional decision. 
But I believe most professionals look at certifications. Well, we wouldn't have the membership today is what it is. 45,000. It's not a small number. No, if there's, you know, I mean, it's a small number compared to the size of the market, but it's a big number in terms of how many people want to showcase professionals and and credibility and trust. And this is what it's all about. So I think that we've got to, over the next five years, just leave the, the operators who don't care too much and they'll, you know, bring in, bring in certifications, bring in barriers to entry. They'll just, not, they'll just not jump through the hoops. Professionals will jump through the hoops. But, and, you know, and I've said this before, and maybe as we kind of wrap up here, Brian, but it, we either do it or a governing body that doesn't listen, right? And we're experiencing this in the U.S., you either fix your own kind of internal issues or the government is going to step in from some far reaching. By the way, we were in Spain and they're talking about the EU's like, hey, could we, you know, thinking about can we have, you know, regulations that that apply evenly to, you know, every market in the EU. And of course, rightfully so, right? You've got people in Malaga, Spain, they're like, God, no, we're not, we're totally different than Paris. But this happens because you don't take care of your own house. Because yeah. the government's not, I mean, they're, they're doing this because they're getting calls from constituents of, I showed up and there was no house there. And, you know, it was filthy and they wouldn't return my money and things like that. Eventually, that's what's going to happen if we don't find a way to go, no, no, no. We, we know this industry. We are the professionals. We'll get this fixed. And, and if, you need, if you need any more incentive, then there's that because oh. um, you won't like what it looks like when it's handed down in the U.S. from Washington D.C., who has no idea how this industry mm. runs or how it should run. Well, we're yeah, seeing yeah. that in local regulations right now in several counties throughout the United States, where they've taken it down to the local level, and it's just a lack of trust in our industry. So they're taking it into their hands, and then the results are that property managers don't like what's coming down the pipeline. They're essentially shutting down a lot of the markets. They're limiting, and it's there's there's good reason behind that. But Chris, I think it goes back to one thing: is just taking everything back down to basics. Let's, let's identify what we have all in common because there are very few things that we all have to do and we have to do them well yet that basic right get certified in those aspects of it and then we can prove that we're actually trustworthy and we're going to run the right type of a business so that we can continue to grow the the industry otherwise it's just it's going to go out of control well it is out of control it is it's it's all it's already out of control i mean and i think that happens in a way where like you know don't get me wrong i've got nothing in terms of against Airbnb, but at the same time, Airbnb, when Airbnb blew up in like the home sharing world, and then all of a sudden you've got basically, you can list a property and start renting it within 12, 13 hours. Yeah. And that's yeah. a problem. That's, that's, that, that, the problem starts there because all of a sudden you've got, you know, you've got people who have probably got no intention to, to, to cause anybody any harm or financial, you know, financial loss, but they just, they're just not professional in what they do and they just don't know the, they don't know what it takes to run a short-term rental business. And they don't know the health and safety factors. They don't know all of these, you know, aspects of what needs to be done. And Airbnb, like that doesn't matter. Just get on there. 
Yeah, especially you know, right now, right? Because yeah, I mean, you hear them and Verbo or you know fighting yeah. or who could you know Come we're on. we've got no inventory. I mean, they'll they'll yeah. book out. I mean, they'll book whatever they can get their hands on. And I had written that down earlier, and it is probably it's probably a whole podcast in and of itself. But technology has even further reduced what barriers to entry we did have, right? You had an office, you had brick and mortar, people checked in. You know, you, larger staffs because you couldn't, you know, it was a lot of manual stuff. The technology for the good things it's doing for our industry has, has I would say, further eliminated any barriers. And you're right. I, that that anytime it's that easy, you're going to have bad actors. And yeah, we're, well, we're seeing that's, it. That's it. I mean, and all I'm trying to create is is awareness into, into the fact that a lot of people are talking about the short-term rental industries, the first recovery, you know, travel vertical and, you know, all these aspects of like, you know, the short-term rental industry is growing. And, and I'm just like kind of think, I don't believe we're growing in the right way. And I'm a big yeah. believer on building, building something on, on sturdy ground. And I just think that this could all come crashing down in the next few years because things are going to start happening. You know, deaths are going to start happening in properties. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, it's happening already, but it's going to happen, it's going to happen on, a, on a bigger scale. The more, the, more, the more easier it is to list and start renting out properties to, to people, then, you, you know, the, the, the more these accidents are going to happen. Because, I mean, you can't, put, you can't put growth over safety. You know, I mean, like people turn around, people turn around to me and said, yeah, you know, 250 properties I got there. You took you 21 years. I got there in four years. And I'm like, good for you. You know, but, but you know, that, uh, but what I'm saying is, are you, will you still be here in 21 years? Right, right, right. No, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I felt like, you know, I felt like with that message right there, Brian, I was like, and Merry Christmas. Right. <laughs> you know, more <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. To them. But, but no, it is like it is a great point. And we need I think it starts with getting people together. People like you, Chris, people, you know, in the U.S., there are people who are mm. very passionate about this. Absolutely. And out how to continue to build it. Hey, Chris, so as we wrap up. We, yeah, we need buy-in not just from PMs and thought leaders like you, Chris, but we need buy-ins from the associations as well. Yep, but because everybody yep. needs to work together rather than working on different missions. And, and I think that absolutely have a yep. lot of influence. yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and 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 look, the OTAs, whether we like it or not, they're going to need to play a part. Yeah, and absolutely. look, they're smart. There are smart people. And maybe they're just not winning the internal battle right now. But there are smart people at Airbnb and, and Verbo who know the experiences like I had, right? And by the way, I've rented both of them because we don't yet have partners in London. Rented both of them on Airbnb. So I should give them credit for the really great one we said. But who know that the experiences like I had are not doing their platform any good. And are in the long term, in the you know, in the long run, are hurting their platform. And I think they can get behind this, but they're, they're going to have to play a role. And they play a huge role in educating because they just have massive marketing dollars. So, well, Chris, for, for our listeners who want to, you know, get in contact with you all, find, find out more about what, you know, what you guys are doing with the certificate. What's the easiest way for them to do that? The, the best way is just to go straight onto the platform, which is www 
i-prac.com. And all of the information's on there. I'm on the, uh, the, I think I'm on the director's page, founder's page. So uh, my direct email's on there as well. So you can contact me directly. Always open to have conversations on certification, trust, you know, professional growth, anything like that with the industry. So hopefully this conversation can just open some, some eyes and ears onto where we need to be going in the future. You know, it's not, like I said before, it's baby steps. But if we're not doing it now, then I don't know what we're building. Yeah, we're building a hell of an industry, hopefully. Yeah, that's absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris and Brian. Yeah, I guess we should thank Explory Abode PR, you know, our sponsor. And we've got, you know, the announcement went out hospitality.fm. We joined a bunch of, I guess, about what about now, seven or eight all hospitality podcasts that are coming under Will Slicker's hospitality.fm. They're just really cool. Again, I think, you know, it'll be really cool. Yeah. Educating people who are getting into this industry, you know, creating some different avenues, some different uh, mediums to, to reach out to people. And I, and I hope, look, I want to encourage, you know, I think these podcasts like this are encouraging people to get in this industry and we should want to, because we attract great talent when we, when we, absolutely when people and those people come though, they're the ones Chris is talking about, right? They, they start listening to podcasts because they're like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to educate That's myself. It. You know, thanks to thanks to both of our sponsors and to Will for everything he's doing with Hospitality FM. Chris, mm-hmm. thanks again and uh happy holidays to you and 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 friends and family and everything. We appreciate the time. Thank you happy so holiday. much guys and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, I look forward to around I look forward to around too. Okay. Well, we, we, trust me, that call will be coming. It only takes us about six months to find a find a spot on everyone's matter. schedule. So we might as well start yeah. now. We'll get there. We'll get okay. there. But thanks a lot, guys. Really, uh, really appreciate your time as well. Absolutely. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X, a member of the Hospitality Podcast Network. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest the letter X podcast.com and follow us on your favorite podcast app. We are Brian Hamawi and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about.